And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Let's turn that down just a little bit. How's everybody doing today? We are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hunt. I'm the editor-in-chief here at Sci-Fi For Me. Happy to be back after yesterday's shenanigans off-site. The live chat's open. Those of you who are with us live, I see Mazerus, I see the bean pad. Hello, both of you there in the chat. I see more people are watching than are chatting. You are welcome to share your thoughts. We are broadcasting live to YouTube, Facebook, and Odyssey, where we are up to 80 followers over there. We've crossed 1,900 subscribers on YouTube twice now. We lost four over the weekend. I'm not sure why. But there we are. Uh, If you are listening to this as a podcast, I want to welcome you as well. And uh, it looks like we've picked up some listeners in Italy, of all places. Happy to see that. Also got some listeners in Ireland, UK, France, Germany, Russia, Canada, Brazil, New Zealand pops back up on the map, Spain. Good to have all of you with us as uh, as we go through the week. And we've also got email address if you want to uh, contact us that way. And uh, leave your thoughts live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. Okay, uh, can I can I get a little can I get can I get can I get a little vulnerable with you here just a second? Can I can I can we are are we okay here to to do this? Couple of things, just just a just a couple of quiet little things here. One. I am exhausted because of day job stuff yesterday. I had uh, I had an assignment off off site. I am uh, a stagehand in some parts of the world. Every now and again, I'll get a call. Yesterday, it was for the WWE SmackDown event in Kansas City. So I was out there most of the day setting things up and tearing things down. So I'm moving a little I'm moving a little achy and slow this morning. So I hope you will uh you will indulge me uh moving moving a little bit creakily. The age is starting to uh to catch up quite a bit on uh on things such as that. And it's just one of those things that serves to remind me 
that I am not a young man anymore. And it kind of goes along the lines of the things what we've been talking about lately with all of the different reboots and the requels and the sequels and the preboots and the everything else. It is a reminder that we're not young anymore. And Mr. Harvey and I were talking about it off off camera, off air the other day uh, with regard to this whole Masters of the Universe blowback. I'm going to get into that here in a little bit. <coughs> but this idea of the childhood being ruined. Uh, Tim makes a good point. Everything that we've enjoyed as as children, as teenagers, as adolescents, as young adults, 20-something and, and, and such, all of that's still out there. I mean, nobody has taken Star Wars away. Those movies are still there. The original trilogy is still out there. Superman 1978 is still out there. The Goonies is still out there. Uh, but I think... When when people say, you know, my childhood's ruined or whatnot, it is a lot of hyperbole, yes. But um, it's also, I think, a shorthand for people who are disappointed with the thing, the thing that they wanted to have, the thing that they expected to have, the thing that they, they've been promised that they're going to get, and then they don't get. And this goes back to what we talked about on Thursday, about lying being part of the marketing strategy for a lot of these things anymore. And we'll get into that here in a minute, because what I've got to start with will dovetail into that. Uh, but the other, the other thing, uh, too, is... Um, A little, a little bit more, a little bit more. Just you and me here. Just, just, just lean in close and and get. Let's get just real here. My homemade beef jerky is excellent. All right, so let's uh, let's get into this. Ghostbusters Afterlife dropped an official trailer this morning. And it's already got 115,000 views over on the official Ghostbusters channel here on YouTube. And so what I thought I'd do is go through and just do some reactions, some spot checking, some some looking and questioning and such. Uh, Mazers mentions uh, Jason Reitman doing a breakdown of the trailer over on IGN. I have not had a chance to, to watch that yet, but I definitely will. I have found it. Thank you very much for that. Uh, good to see Stephanie there in the chat. So uh, we will take a look here. And I'm not going to go through the entire trailer. Well, you know what? Why not? I don't know that we're going to get... We, we might get... We might get demonetized on this one, folks. Stand by. Here we go. We're going to take a look at this. The Ghostbusters Afterlife official trailer 2 in HD. Um, I, might, I might pause it a couple of different places just because, but, uh, but for, the, 
For the tech cartel monitors out there, this does constitute fair use because we are critiquing and analyzing for the purposes of information and education and edification of our audience. So here we go. You're great mind. I don't know. I'm fine with Trevor. But automatically, with automatically we get a different setting. Now, one thing I did see, I caught the very beginning of Reitman's thoughts, and he said one of the things he wanted to do was get it completely out of New York to change the color palette, to change the tone, and, <coughs> excuse me, I think they have done that uh, very well here. So, uh, we continue here. She really keeps me on the outside. That's normal. She's an awkward, nerdy kid. Maybe a new home can be an opportunity to start fresh. I just wish she'd get into some trouble. There's still time. Okay. Is is this the first time that we're seeing Paul Rudd actually show that he's aging? Is is I mean is is Paul Rudd finally going to get some wrinkles on his face? still time an El Camino ladies and gentlemen doing here I don't even think they make those anymore We're completely broke and our grandfather left us this creepy old farmhouse in the middle of nowhere your father wasn't much of a homemaker he could hardly keep the power on you're saying he left us nothing well I wouldn't say nothing there it is went with station wagon? It's the only one that had an engine. Okay, Mazers, my apologies. A Ford Ranchero, not an El Camino. Um, I don't know why I said El Camino, because, no, yeah, El Camino. Because Gran Torino was Starsky's car. I'm old. I've only had two cups of coffee today. What is happening here? Somehow, a town with no fault lines is shaking on a daily basis. Maybe it's the apocalypse. Bum, bum, bum. Egon came out here for a reason. Are you troubled by strange noises in the middle of the night? You experience feelings of dread in your basement or attic? you or any of your family ever seen a spook, specter, or ghost? Oh my god. Okay, hang on. Hang on just a second here. Let me let me do this. Did you notice this? I've never noticed this before. Ever seen a spook, specter, or ghost? Watch this. Did you Did you see that? Hold on. Oh my god. Watch the uh watch the See that? I've never noticed that before. The little umbrella toothpick pops route right through his nose. That's funny stuff. Oh my god. You guys hear that? Something's coming. The whole city. It's like the walking dead. All right, 
One thing that I've noticed about all of these little sparklies and winkies and blinkies, it looks exactly like the first movie when the portal opened up for Zool and we heard David Bowie. If we don't hear David Bowie on this movie, I shall be vexed. Vexed, I say. But then... Is this the same cab driver? No, it looks like oh, he's a he's a he's a, a railroad engineer. I wonder if he was around during the time travel experiments of 1885. Dead. This is a beast I don't think we've seen before. Yep, and there's one of the dogs. Oh, a minor, Stephanie, thank you. Yes, that makes sense, too, because we're in the mines. I got it. Okay, that works. Uh, very prominent product placement there for Walmart. Go, go, go! We're closed. <laughs> now, my first reaction when I watched this trailer earlier. The first words that came out of my mouth. Man, I hope they don't screw it up. Because it's 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 that. It's that thing. Right? Hello. Okay, so Adam Bray, who is an author over on Twitter, had these thoughts that he that he mentioned and uh, talking about <clears throat> the afterlife trailer. And uh, he says, and, and I think this wraps it up just perfectly. He says, quote, I'm not especially a Ghostbusters fan, but I think they may have hit that perfect formula with Goonies meets very popular lead actor meets beloved former cast meets hardcore nostalgia and all the great new visual effects. I think this movie will be a big deal. Now, I will agree with that. With this caveat. We have seen this before. Because if you have if, if you listen to the trailer, if you listen to the musical score of the trailer, the swelling music as everything starts to come together and we see the 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 dynometer and the the special voozy 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 effects and the wiggly blinkies and the -da 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 -da. you know the music swells up just like the force awakens trailer and the first force awakens trailer the big one not the tease but the first Force Awakens trailer, we actually started to see stuff from the movie and get a feel for what this thing was going to be. The music swells up. Da -da 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 -da. You know that? 
We get we get a, a reworking of Han and Leia's theme. And in this, I don't hear that it's a specific reworking of anything from the original soundtrack, but you get that swelling emotional moment mu- music, right? And you've got all of the buttons being pushed here. All of the all of the member berries and the nostalgia and everything. We see we see we see Annie Potts. We see the TV commercial, We're Ready to Believe You. You remember that? It's there it is. We have the ghost trap. And yes. We get race dance at the end. We're closed. And if you look on the window, it says occult books. So he's obviously, well, obviously, (coughs) I say obviously, he's probably not in the firehouse anymore. Although, he might be. Because if the phone number has not changed in 30 years, he might still be in the firehouse. Except, it's just now this little bookshop in the occult, and that. I um, Unknown Raider guy, pretty pretty much sure that's Egon and Janine's grandkids. I don't think Egon and Janine got together because Janine got together with um, the accountant, with... Uh, <sighs> what's his name? Okay. Um, Rick Moranis' character. Somebody help me out, please. I, I, yeah, I, I don't, it's possible. I mean, Lewis Tully. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Mazers. Lewis Tully in the the thing. Um, Stephanie says he had that bookshop in Ghostbusters 2, but he had, uh, oh, she had a crush on Egon. Well, that's true. That's the, yeah, I remember some sparks flying, but yeah, when when Ghostbusters two came out, she and Lewis had gotten together. Now it's possible that they that didn't that didn't take, and Janine actually ended up with Egon. Maybe um, it could also be that uh, she's the executor of Egon's will, since she was the the office manager, the business manager for the Ghostbusters outfit, maybe she's the executor of the will. I don't know. We'll have to see. That's a, it's a detail. Either way, I don't know. See, here's here's my question on that. And and unknown writer guy says, but Janine was more closer to Egon than Lewis. Remember, they were close on on Ghostbusters one, and they actually got together in the animated series. That's a good point. I, I don't know, however, that if we're going with the estranged family plot line where the family has not had contact with Egon, the daughter is, is off on her own and there is no contact with Egon, I don't know that Janine is the type of person who would let that kind of thing happen. That's... that's Completely on me, just impressions of the characters that we that we know from the past. I don't know that she would let Egon and the family get estranged like that. Maybe. Never know. 
but it also if you look at if if you if you look at the possibility that that Janine and Egon got together that reduces the possibility that we're going to get Lewis Tully back in the movie. Now, here's a here's a scenario. Let me spin this scenario out for you for just a second. Egon's Egon's dead. Family finds out Egon's no longer with us. And here you have this house now. Lewis being the accountant probably has some to do with the estate. Janine possibly also might have something to do with the estate, especially if if she's still with Lewis. So there's a there's got to be a logical reason why she's there. So either she's Egon's widow or has has something to do with the estate in the aftermath of of Egon's passing. We'll have to wait and see. But this idea of it being in Somerville, you know, Reitman says we want to do we want a new color palette, we want a new location, we want a new setting. We're out in the middle of the Midwest. You know, so automatically our our color palette is much warmer. And stuff like this shot here with the diner, this you you look at things like Stranger Things and those those movies and and TV shows that are set in the 80s, there's this real warm Kodachrome type of filter that gets applied to this stuff. Lots of color saturation, and you you look here this this green this green lampshade. Do you see the little the little tower on it? Is this a is this Oz? Is this New York? Is this some just geometric design? Is this a date that mom and teacher are on? Um, and why is why is there a kitty cat kitty cup on the table if it's just the two of them? I think this is going to play into to Paul Rudd's. Uh, a Chinese a ch oh, it's Chinese restaurant. Well, yes. Okay, so why would there be why would there be a plastic kitty cat as a as a drink cup? Oh, is that what that is? Pa well, I don't see the I don't see the paws up. No, it, but it could be a drink that was in the You have a microphone. <laughs> yeah. It, okay. There. Never mind. Okay. So we've got. It's on. And, okay, the Chinese restaurant. I'm saying it's Chinese restaurant. I see. You've that. got the cat thing. Yeah, I see. The, I see, see the those, dragon. I and see it the looks like the there might be a straw coming out from it. There is a straw coming out, which there, says that's so a, it's si a drink. It's a sippy cup. That's what I said. Well, it's no. a kitty cat kitty cup. But Why? it looks like, with it being the porcelain like that, it's probably from the bar. So it's not a sippy cup. 
There's a difference. You don't drink alcoholic drinks from sippy cups you drink, yeah, normally. Uh, Once you get pretty plastered, maybe. That's another story. Yeah. But uh, not on a date. I don't know. You never know. All right. Uh, unknown Raider guy. I'm 95% sure Peter and Dana have been together since Ghostbusters 2. I can see Peter either a mayor of New York or still running the world of the world of psychic shows. Turned out to be bigger than 60 Minutes. <laughs> Uh, Beanpad says, Force Awakens was not created by the original director. Afterlife, it has the Reitmans developing. There has to be more of a passion that ignited the development. It's Ivan's baby. And I really hope you're correct. Beanpad, I really hope you're correct. Uh, I, I do. Um... But yeah, you look at, you look at the color... In all of this, oh wait, hey, there's a redhead that didn't that didn't get erased. Okay, so never mind. Uh, creepy old house, stuff in the floorboard. She finds an original trap, ghost trap. It's it doesn't appear to be on. It does not appear to be active. So perhaps there's nothing in it. Um, we did hear, I don't even know where I picked, picked up that, that one of the ghost traps, uh, has Slimer in it that maybe, um, maybe this is, maybe this is the force, the, the ghost trap that has Slimer in it. We're out in the middle of nowhere. But this house, you see all of the all of the communications towers and the and the antenna and the 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 all of this here, sensor equipment and whatnot. Boy, doesn't that look that 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 house would fit very well on monsters and uh, Adam's family. I mean, it would fit right in there, wouldn't it? Uh, unknown Raider guy, what do you think Winston's been doing? What? Oh, Winston. See, I saw, I saw, I saw the question. Unknown Raider guy asked the question, "What do you guys think Winston's been doing?" And I immediately thought of Wilson, who's been barking in this house. My, my brain has just skipped a couple of things. When. I'm I'm curious because we haven't seen anything about Winston yet. I don't think he'd be still doing any of the paranormal stuff because he was just looking for a job. He doesn't have the scientific background. He was just, you know, hey, I just I'm looking for a job. It, it might it might be that he's still at least in touch with Ray and 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 the gang. Um but who knows? He might have gone into politics. Maybe I don't see. I don't see. Uh, I don't see Bill Murray's character getting into politics because of how much they they hated the bureaucrats in the first movie, especially Walter Peck. You have all of this. This the the. The boneyard of cars. What do we see there? Um, is that a is that a Chevy? Is that a 
Ford. The the flares are too big to be a, are too small to be a Cadillac. I don't think I can't really tell what what any of these cars are. And why would Spengler have a bunch of cars? Maybe. Um. <clears throat> Mazur says, I think the house probably is going to wind up having belonged to Shandor at some point, long before Egon bought it. Houses like that are late 1800s, turn of the century. That's That would be a that would be a fun little Easter egg, wouldn't it? Michael Connor in the chat, welcome. I think the location allows more family values and takes most modern politics out, allowing them to write a script that works. Maybe. Uh... Reitman, Jason Reitman did say that they wanted to do a story that concentrated on family rather than um, the the whole everything that was in the first first few movies. It was all about, you know, the New York and the paranormal and the and the ghosts and stuff. Um, one one thing about the cars. Do you remember um, Ray was the one that was that was the tinkerer? on on the cars. He was the one that was the mechanic of the group. So I wonder if this is all uh, leftovers from his time visiting uh, visiting all of the stuff. That's a good point. Uh, being bad, Spangler probably used the cars for for parts. That's that's that could be. So um, I mean, there's there's Winston in the photograph. He's bound to show up at some point. Now, there's Annie Potts, still with the glasses. Uh, Unknown Raider Guy says, One serious question, what happened to the Ecto-1A? We haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen it yet. But we have the Ecto-1. Bum, bum, bum. All the gear is still up top. Now, I fully expect... Oh, I guess I... I fully expect... Nay, I insist... That at some point in the next year... Somebody is going to do a... a an Ecto-1 based on this look it'll show up we'll have we'll have an ecto 1 that looks like this because somebody's going to get in there unless and they are may already be working on it but see right here is right here where Do you hear the music swell up? What is happening here? Now start again to the little somehow hints, the town bubbles, fault lines and is shaking on a daily basis. What's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? Maybe it's the apocalypse. Now there's, wow! There's that music swell. Wow! There it is. And now, as soon as it starts to go, 
As soon as that music starts to swell, you're hearing the stuff from the past. You're hearing the, the this is this is pure nostalgia right here. Combined with the new stuff in the visuals. Now this this uh, cloud tank effect on the on the mountain doesn't this give you uh, uh, close encounters vibe or even better since we're talking about possible apocalypse maybe it's like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Could this be the destruction of Earth coming? Possibly? I don't know, maybe. Uh, yes, um, Unknown Raider Guy. We do have Paul Rudd's character name. Let me, let me look it up here real quick because everything can be found on the internet. Afterlife, IMDb. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. How is how is Paul Rudd not even in the main listing here? Oh yeah, Paul Rudd as Mister Gruberson. To uh, to the earlier question about Winston, I don't know if this is going to be a spoiler or not, but ladies and gentlemen, listed on here, so Annie Potts is listed as Janine Melnitz, so her last name has not changed. I don't know if that means that she's a liberated woman or not, or if she didn't get married. But look here, Ernie Hudson as Dr. Winston Zeddemore. So perhaps his experiences as a ghostbuster just made him go back to school and decide that he's going to be a doctor of something. I wonder what he's a doctor of. That will be interesting. We got Bill Murray, we got Dan Aykroyd, we got Ernie Hudson, Sigourney Weaver, all of them back, Annie Potts back. I have not seen anything yet to indicate that uh, that we're going to get Rick Moranis in this thing. I we got to have Rick Moranis come back to this. Bokeem Woodbine is in this. You got to be kidding me. Is my mic on? Yes, it is. Well, I would say with Mick, Rick Moranis being out of the public spotlight for so long, and he only just recently had announced that he was doing, what, an animated voicing, that possibly it could be that thing that it's kind of like the Mandalorian and Luke Skywalker. You won't know until it hits you type situation. Possibly. Because, Possibly. like I said, he has been completely out of the public eye. Just to get people's hopes up. Oh, so here's a question for you. I like this. Unknown Raider guy asks, this is a thousand to one shot. Is it possible that Paul Rudd could be Oscar? <laughs> nice. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I think that would probably, that might be... Pushing the bounds of believability on the movie a little bit too much. 
maybe. Um, I don't know that he would even be... Would he be the right age? Because, um, well, Ghostbusters 2... Ghostbusters 2 was when? Because that's when Oscar was born. Okay, you look that up. I'm going to look up when uh, when Paul Rudd... Let's see, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd was born in 1969. 89. 89? Okay. So, I know, but he does look, he does look older in this one. I don't, I don't know that he's old enough. I don't know that he's, well, let me, let me turn that around. I don't think he's young enough to be Oscar. Um... I, I don't think I don't think Paul Rudd's playing Oscar because his last name is Gruberson. That's an odd name to pick as an alias. I mean, it's not something that you you would if you wanted to disappear and blend in. I don't know that you would pick Gruberson as your cover name. So I I doubt this is Oscar, um, especially if he's seeing the ghost trap for the first time and he says oh you have that's an amazing replica and he doesn't doesn't actually recognize it for what it is i think oscar probably would oscar would look at it and go where did you get that <laughs> why do you have the monster machine the evil why do you have that thing that will unleash destruction upon the planet I think I think Oscar would react a little bit more strongly than Gruberson does, but that's just me. Uh, speaking of reacting strongly, let me do this here real quick. Reaction to Masters of the Universe over the weekend has been decidedly negative, and I've seen I've seen a mixed batch of this um, because Kevin Smith continues to double down on his everything that he's been saying on all of this. <clears throat> and I I don't know that it's going to get any better. But let me let me let me make this observation if I may. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes score 95% on the critics, 33% on the audience. However much this is, people who've actually watched it, people who have, uh, versus people who have just seen reactions and reviews online talking about this being uh, the Tila show. Let me, let me, let me just throw this out here as a devil's advocate type of thing here for a moment. Uh, and Beanpad, Gruberson could be possessed by the terror dog. You never know. I mean, he is being chased there out of the Walmart by by same. But let me let me do this here real quick because Kevin Smith has said that the show is about He-Man. In the reaction to everybody sitting there saying it's Tila show, it's Tila show. I I I don't have a dog in the fight. I didn't watch the original series. I didn't watch the 2011 reboot. 
I was 13, going on 14 when it came out. I wasn't interested in the kids' cartoon, okay? I, it, that's, that's my starting point. And if the first part of this show is about Tila getting her feelings hurt because nobody told her Prince Adam was He-Man, by the way, spoilers, Prince Adam is He-Man, there's this thing, and, and Kevin Smith and I are the same age. He's, he's just recently turned 51, so I'm just slightly older than Kevin Smith. But in, in a time when we have so many books written by Tom Clancy, in a time when we have a lot of documentaries and a lot of video on military and uh, operational procedures and and that kind of thing. I was just, I was just looking at a video the other day on the new on the new aircraft carrier the Gerald R Ford. So this material is out there and it is possible to do research. And when you stop and consider that Man at Arms and Tila are both soldiers and Tila gets her feelings hurt because they didn't tell her a state secret, which is a need-to-know state secret. I don't, I don't think that they've done their homework in that in any military operation. And this is just my layman's understanding. I have not served in the military. I have a number of family members who have served over the years. But operational security is a thing. And if you're going to keep a secret, then you don't tell anyone. And this whole idea of Tila being upset that they didn't tell her something... Because of operational security, because of state secrets, because need to know, that rankles me more than anything else because that's stupid. If you're a soldier, you understand going into it that you're not going to get told everything because you don't need to know everything. No matter what your rank, there are certain things that you don't get told. You get briefed in only on those things what involves you. Whatever your mission is, whatever the objective is, you, you know, search and rescue, infiltration, identification of a target, whatever it is, you get told only what you need to know in order to carry out that mission. Ostensibly, we would hope that you'd get all of the information that you need to know to, to carry out the mission. If, if a character is going to go off in a snit because she wasn't told something that they decided you don't need to know these things, that undermines the whole concept, the, the whole core of the character as a, a, a comrade-at-arms for He-Man. But... but if you take what Kevin Smith has said about how this show is all about He-Man, from a certain technicality point of view, maybe 
maybe he's giving you a clue about the back half. Because if this show is focused on Tila and her reaction to all of the things what been going on, then it still could technically be about He-Man and her feelings about all of this stuff related to He-Man without having He-Man in the movie, without having him in the series, without having Prince Adam in the series. Now, people are reacting to the first part. There's ten episodes. We've got the first five. And people are reacting to the first five episodes. Without knowing how the rest of the season resolves itself, is the reaction to the first five episodes justified? That's my question. And it's an honest question because I haven't watched any of the show. I haven't watched these first five episodes of Masters of the Universe Revelation. I don't care. And that comes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the show. And my reaction to this Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer. My first reaction is, I hope they don't screw it up. Because how many times now have we been right here? I mentioned The Force Awakens. There was a lot, of, a lot of anticipation for that movie. A lot of excitement for that movie. There were a lot of people that were looking forward to it. And there was, oh, please, please don't screw it up. Please don't screw it up. How many times have we gotten a remake or a sequel or a reboot or a something inspired by, based on the book, based on the comic book, based on the video game, based on the TV show from your childhood... How many times have we gotten something like that and the expectation is X and the delivery is blue? You look at the reaction to Snake Eyes over the weekend, $13 million domestic. This thing is a bomb at the box office. And I would submit to you that no matter what Larry Hama says giving it his blessing... This is not a movie about Snake Eyes. Because Snake Eyes is not Asian. And the political identity politics washout of Snake Eyes probably did more harm than anything else that anybody could have said about it. Because Snake Eyes is not Asian. He's Caucasian. He's a blonde Aryan Caucasian. And the entire point of his character was that he did not fit in. He became this this other type of person as a ninja or whatnot. Fish out of water was his entire backstory. And the other part of it is Snake Eyes does not talk. That was part of the mystique of the character. We don't know anything about him. It's like Boba Fett. When Boba Fett first showed up in The Empire Strikes Back, when he showed up, I mean, he talked more in the animated thing that introduced him than he talked in any of the, the sequel, any of the original trilogy. 
We didn't know anything about Boba Fett. He was the man with no face. He was the man with no name. It was that mystery. Everybody thought it was cool. Boba Fett's so cool. Because we didn't know anything about him, and so we could make him anything that we wanted him to be. Snake Eyes was a mystery because we don't know anything about him. I mean, we, we know more about him than we knew about Boba Fett at the beginning. And I know Larry Hama has sat there and said, it's completely understandable what they wanted to do with the character. I'm fine with it. I give it my blessing and all that. Fine. But you look at Larry Hama's Facebook page, his Facebook account is all about the political virtue of the time. And after the Star Wars sequel trilogy, after Masters of the Universe, after Ghostbusters 2016, what else, what else is out there where we thought we were going to get something and we didn't? The She-Ra reboot cartoon thing? Gem and the Holograms? How many times, how many times are we going to be right here, standing at the precipice, going, please don't screw it up, please don't screw it up, please don't screw it up, please don't screw it up. Cam 1138, good to see you there. And it's fine if you, you can you can hit you can hit replay. That's great. Leave us a comment. Share your thoughts. Mazur says, counterpoint, Emperor Palpatine was mysteriously evil for 16 years before being given a background. That was a heck of an amount of time to let that mystique build up in the minds of the fan. Yeah, and we got, we got the explanation for Emperor Palpatine, and it was like, okay. But some of that we knew from the EU. I think the I think the Palpatine name was first introduced in the extended universe, was it not? Some fill in the blank stuff. It's kind of like James Tiberius Kirk or Hikaru Sulu or Nyota Uhura. Those those pieces fell into place from extended universe material that eventually made it into canon. Well, I don't think Uhura's first name has ever been mentioned on screen, but it's in the books. And it's, and it's accepted by everybody that that's her name. Oh, Cam says it was in the original Star Wars novelization. I'll have to go back and look. I mean, the name's been out there since before we even knew anything about the Emperor. But it's a good point. What do we know about the Emperor? Ooh, the Emperor. Ooh, the Emperor's just evil. What do we know about him? And that goes back to what I've said before about the prequels. Whether you enjoy them or not, whether you hate them or not, whether you follow the story and the story makes sense and you think that it's actually just one of the, some of the best Star Wars out there, the prequel trilogy in Star Wars is completely unnecessary. And the reason for that is because we already know what happens. We already know how it ends. We don't need 
the prequel trilogy. And I and I, I even wrote about this in an essay you find over on sci-fi for me.com why I don't care about Anakin Skywalker. I don't care about Anakin Skywalker. I didn't. I still kind of don't. I mean, the, the Clone Wars helps flesh that out, fill in the gaps, and make that character a little bit better. But I still don't care that much about Anakin Skywalker because we didn't need that story. We got it in the first, you know, the first 15, 20 minutes of Star Wars. It was a pupil of mine until he turned to evil. A young Jedi named Darth Vader helped hunt down and destroy the Jedi. We, okay, there's the backstory. That's all we need to know about Darth Vader. You don't need to contextualize every single villain. Or hero. I didn't need Han Solo's backstory either. But if you're going to do it, go read Anne Crispin's books. Go read the Han Solo trilogy. Go read Brian Daly's books. If you want a Han Solo prequel that's worth your time, go read those books. Mazur says, Most of the original trilogy fans who were kids when the original trilogy was new don't. My friend Steph really likes them, though. I, I think Clone Wars helped his character a lot. Yes, Clone Wars did help Anakin Skywalker's character quite a bit. No question. Absolutely no question. Uh, Beanpad asks about Rogue One. I thought Rogue One was the best of the Disney Star Wars movies so far. Um, it is, again, it is completely unnecessary. And it's got some problems, but it's... It's a it's a decent prequel to Star Wars. Um, but again, if it were me, and it's not, but if it were, here's how I would have done here's how I would have changed Rogue One. Now I know a lot of people have sat there and said Rogue One steals a bunch of elements from the video game. You know, all of the characters, Jen Urso and and all of the stuff that's in I think it's Knights. I don't know if it's Knights of the Old Republic or there's a there's there's a video game that apparently a lot of elements were lifted from that for Rogue One. Okay, but if you're going to steal from things, and if you want to do this interconnected mess that you're trying to do, Disney, then Solo and Rogue One, you had a golden opportunity right there with Bria Theron. In Anne Crispin's Han Solo trilogy, you have his origin story, which is very well done. And you have Bria Theron introduced not only as an early romantic interest for Han Solo, but also the person what led the commando raid to steal the Death Star plans. And you could have put all of that together... And that could have been your solo Rogue One connection going into Star Wars. No Episode 4, no New Hope. It's called Star Wars. 
But the fact that you have a company like Disney that sits there and says, we're going to ignore what came before because we don't want to pay for it, doesn't have anything to do with whether or not it's a convoluted continuity. It doesn't have anything to do with whether it's canon or not. As we've seen, Disney doesn't want to pay the royalties for it. Mazur says, I think the insistence of some, el- uh, the, I, I guess the incident, some elements in Lucasfilm have to keep Maul a thing or trying to make a story path to Lucas's version of Darth Talon. Even I question George's thinking there a little bit. Well, well, it's see, the thing about it is with Maul, Maul wasn't unkillable because Obi-Wan killed him twice. Hmm. <coughs> I think. Yeah, I th- I think one of the one of the things that we need to understand, and and maybe kind of take a step back a little bit so much from our impassioned reactions to all of this stuff. Wait and see. And I and I've I've grown more into this mindset with a lot of things where you get that idea of, oh, it could be this thing. It could be great. It could be wonderful. It could be smashingly good. Your expectation is, oh, it's all going to be, you know, it's all going to be woke or it's all going to be a fantastic nostalgia trip or, you know, whatever your, your first impression, your gut reaction is, take a step back from that and wait for the next piece. Because at some point, either your gut reaction will be justified and you actually will be getting something that maybe you thought you were going to get. Or you're going to get enough information to understand that what they're going to deliver to you is not what you have in mind that you're going to get. Let the story play out. Wait for, as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story. (laughs) You have to wait. And, And I know for a lot of people that's very tough to do. But we see this this Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer as, a, as an example of they're hitting all the right notes. The aesthetic, the effects, the nostalgia, the tech, the music, it's all there. The font, the font's even the same. I mean, everything is there. And we can hope. I know, it's it's Reitman's right there. It's his baby. But it is impossible to predict with any degree of accuracy 
that the Ghostbusters movie we're going to get in, what is it, October, November? It's impossible to predict that it's going to be a Ghostbusters movie that actually honors and respects the legacy of the Ghostbusters franchise. We've been down this road with Star Wars. We've been down this road now with Masters of the Universe. We've been down this road with Doctor Who. We've been down this road with Star Trek. I'm at a wait and see moment. And I'm also... I hate to say that I'm getting cynical in my old age. <clears throat> and I know Mrs. Boss has walked out the door, so she can't react and, and say anything. But I also am at the point, and I've, I think I've mentioned this before. I'm getting to the point where anything new that's, that's being teased and promoted and, and out there I'm not really all that excited about anything anymore. I find myself growing increasingly indifferent to those things that I have enjoyed for so many years. And I know I mentioned earlier, you know, people started talking about, oh, you've ruined my childhood and ruined my childhood. That's a lot of hyperbole, and a lot of people use that for shorthand, and you're not respecting the material that I enjoyed when I was a kid, Starsky and Hutch. You, you, you are, you're taking the thing that we all loved, and you're ignoring what made it what we love, and you're turning it into a, a hollow shell of itself, or you're turning it into a parody of itself, or you're turning it into a... A, a, a deconstruction and a, and a and a destruction of of what it was, and it's at the point now where I don't really see myself getting all that excited for anything. The Black Widow movie, okay, it's here. It's a thing. I haven't seen it yet. The new Marvel movies, okay, maybe. Now, some of this could be just the fact that we've all been under house arrest lockdown for the last year. I just don't want to get out and deal with people. It's an awful lot of trouble to get out and deal with people. Especially if they're people that worship at the, at the, at the altar of St. Fauci. I don't know how... How tired that makes me. But just the back and forth and the and the the anger and the vituperation and the 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 blowback and the pushback and the and the insults and the the hate and the rage and all this stuff, I just I just don't have it in me to be very much interested anymore in things. And I can share, you know, what I think about things and here, here's what I think. And I would really like to have guests on this show so we could talk about what we think. But I, but I worry. 
this is a real concern for me. We talk about getting real. This is a real concern for me that at some point I will become so indifferent to anything having to do with science fiction or fantasy or horror that take it or leave it. I don't want to get to that point. But the people that are making the things that I used to enjoy are making things that I no longer enjoy. And I I hope I hope that Ghostbusters Afterlife is not in that list. And yes, Bezos, Jason Reitman had a good consultant. Yes. Assuming that Ivan Reitman is still the Ivan Reitman who made Ghostbusters. And Beanpad, same same thing. Hopefully Ivan's experience and Jason's fresh eye will create a good sequel. Your lips to God's ears. I hope that Ghostbusters Afterlife delivers the goods. I really do. But we're going to have to wait and see. Okay, so tomorrow on the program, our our newest contributor, Christopher Hoffman, will join me. We're going to take a look at the toys and merch announcements that are coming out of San Diego Comic-Con at home. And uh, we'll be looking at some stuff from Mattel, stuff from Hasbro, uh, various different things. I, I think sideshows in that list. And so we'll be talking over that on Wednesday. That's tomorrow. Thursday, I'm not sure what our program is going to look like yet, but uh, I do invite you to connect with us on social media if you haven't yet, and we'll be posting over there uh, as we update things. Last night's H2O podcast is live and active. We're talking about Richard Donner's career and the the idea of verisimilitude, or verisimilitude, depending on how you want to pronounce it. So that's live and up. It was a pre-recorded program, so uh, so go check that out. I've noticed that our pre-recorded shows don't get as much traffic as our live shows, uh, but it's just as good a conversation. It just happens to be Memorex, not live. And we dropped a new uh, Foreign Bodies over the weekend. Uh, Mrs. Walker and Mr. Harvey in Ireland for that conversation so go check that out and uh, we will be back with more later in the week like I said connect with us over on social media so you know when we post things and uh, find us over on Odyssey find us on Twitch Uh, you can find us on all those socials including those bad wrong things socials and we'll do this all again tomorrow. Thanks very much for being here. Thanks all of you for your thoughts in the chat. Good to see uh, some new names. Hopefully you come back. If you are new to the channel and you haven't subscribed yet, we do invite you to do that. We're on our way to 2,000 subscribers. And I don't know what we're going to do then, but we may do something special. So share the links. Share the channel. Tell people that you actually like us, even if you don't like us. Because they may like us. We'll be back tomorrow. Remember, there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 
Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. 